The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. My name's Corey. Um, I'm the creative director here, which just means that I design your bulletins. I make sure the website's updated. I do all the visual stuff, all the videos and stuff like that. Just trying to um, do what I can uh, to help this church communicate what the congregation and what the staff and what the people of our community look like, what they sound like, and what the Lord is doing here. Uh, Jimmy is out of town this week. He's celebrating his mother's 80th birthday. So praise Jesus for that. That's really cool. And frankly, even though it falls on me today, uh, I'm really excited anytime Jimmy gets to step off the stage and just be a human to see what the Lord might do in those softer moments. Um, As I have learned once before and as I learned today, like, For one Sunday, I get to feel a tiny bit of what that weight feels like of, hey, let's do this together. Let's see what the Lord has for us and let's present that to one another. And he's done it for 30 years. And so it's just a great joy that on Father's Day, a father of five kids gets to sit, celebrate his mom and just sit in what the Lord has for him. Um, But I wish you happy Father's Day if you're a father today. It's awesome. It's like the greatest joy of my life. I sometimes, like, so I'm 35, and sometimes uh, over the years, I have a one and a half year old. I can't tell you, especially if you're in church for very long, how often people are going to come up to you and be like, so do you have any kids yet? <laughs> and I'm like, my answer was always no, because <laughs> I think deep down I was a little like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, it seems like more work than I know how to do. And um, uh, it's very interesting because I really do love work, um, but I could not have imagined the just <laughs> magnitude of uh, what it means to have a one-and-a-half-year-old boy. Um, it's been a lot of fun, though. I do. Uh, I am married. I have a one-year-old. I wanted to show you a picture of my family. Uh, this is my family. Um, that's my son, Maddox. There is not a greater human on the planet. Um, <laughs> He's learning to talk right now. Um, I'm pretty sure his first words were dada, and uh, I do believe Jimmy Fallon's book for that. Um, so we practice saying dada a lot. Um, but it's really funny. He, he loves being outside. Um, he loves cottage cheese like you can't even imagine. And he loves panda bears. And it's, uh, it's really fun. I think we have like what feels like hundreds of panda bears at our house at this point. It's probably only like four or five. But he specifically has this one panda bear that's um, a puppet. It's like a, you can put your hand in it and talk around with it. And he loves this thing. This, uh, I, I, in our family, we like to name things. And so I, I name everything I touch pretty much. And um, so I named this not thinking about anything. And I was like, yeah, let's call him Steve. And so my, my son can't say V's yet. He's working on that. So he's always walking around the house going, Steve, Steve, Steve. And he wants you to take the puppet and chase him around, which is, which is fun. But I realize also that sometimes I call things by their first and last name. I don't know why I do that, but I do that. And it is funny, though, when your, your, your son's best friend is a panda named Steve Martin. Um, <laughs> It wasn't planned, but it, it's fun. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. That's a little about, about who I am. Um, today's sermon is entitled Hope in the Father. 
And I want to take a journey together through a couple of core ideas. What does it look like to live a life full of hope for our Heavenly Father? And what does it, look, does it mean for us to live a life that gives our kids and our community and our church and people in our lives hope? Um, I suppose in many ways this is a sermon that I'm preaching directly at myself. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, it's probably a sermon that we all need to often preach to ourselves. that it is in fact crucial to our entire life that we keep our hope in the Father. And sometimes I think, though, when we look at Scripture and when we look at a, our, our Christian life, we might be asking ourselves, like, who is the Father? And often, and I think more readily, when we hear the word Father, we simply see that word as Dad. In a lot of ways, that's like the only thing that I could ever think of when I first became a believer. It's like, this is just like, oh, that must just mean dad. That must mean like someone I'm related to, or maybe someone who, who caused a pregnancy and now there's a child. Like, maybe that is what, what a father is. Like, for me, that was the only thing mentally available um, when I first came to know Jesus. And honestly, like, beforehand, before Jesus, I, I had nothing. I thought it was kind of weird. Um, I think we have the tendency to assume um, the characteristics of God, um, maybe just our better versions of dads like that we had, or maybe akin to maybe the best version of a dad that we've ever known. Um, I think it was not until recently, it was not until I got past all of those barriers of, of a good dad or a bad dad or no dad or so many of my friends who, who, who grew up with, with no parents at all and, and, and trying to, to work through like what, what could possibly be different about this word father, that this God who calls himself father, this, like when Jesus calls him father, what could that all mean? I think when most of us dive into uh, what it means to be a heavenly father, um, like we run towards the inference and potentially the presumption that God just is our father. Like, that's what I did. I just, the, he just is my father. Um, I think first and foremost, probably, because it's God. Like, he created us. And I think, which is absolutely true, that in fact, he is the creator of all human beings. And it makes a lot of sense, um, inferentially, to see God as the God of all mankind. But I do want to kind of poke at and talk about like what we see in John 3.16 when, when he says that Jesus is the only son of God. I think this is like an important thing to take away from scripture. It's an important thing. It's a big thing that we see right here, a unique placement that Jesus is the only son of God and God is the father of Jesus. Um, I guess furthermore, I even want to add in Scripture that, like, Scripture tells us that we enter the family of God, so we enter a place where God becomes our Father, not by nature, not just by being a human being, but we must be adopted into the Father's family by virtue of our relationship with Jesus, who is the only begotten Son. That is a lot for me. That's a lot for me to, to realize that, like, it's not just I was born, God loves me. I think a lot of times, like, we read scripture with such a small window. We read scripture with such a, like, a t-shirt mentality that, like, 
well, all things are going to be fine for me because God is good. And, and all things are going to go the way and be the way I think or the way I saw on the T-shirt or the way that my grandma raised me or the way that I just assumed because I just assumed that the truth was like this because I assumed it felt right. I assumed God was the way he was because that's how I feel. But God presents a different story and a different placement in Scripture. So let's make this like clear that we are adopted into the family of God by our faith in Christ and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We got that? Does that feel good? That feels really good to me. That's a really good thing. It hurts when you're outside, when you're like, I don't know what they mean. When you're in a place where salvation does not exist in these bones and in his soul, that hurts. It hurts even more so in the same way when we look at the world and we say like, they're, they're lost. There's pain there. That's real. That's okay. It's not okay that we want them to be there. But let's just be honest with ourselves that the, this presentation of, of Jesus to us and our decision to, to take it and to accept it is ours. It's a place where, where we can be discouraged that maybe God is just and right, but we don't need to be. We can be encouraged and find hope in the fact that God is just and right. And he has, in fact, in a very big way, made a way for us. So simply, yes, the God of the Bible is the creator of all human beings, like for sure, but the father of only those whom he intends to redeem. And it was his son, Jesus Christ, that revealed this purpose to whom he had chosen for salvation. So big one right here. If we simply reduce our understanding or view of God as father to only a father who created us, we conceal the incredible and special relationship that Christ has made possible for all who believe in him. That's a big one. Gives me immense hope. Immense hope that he has made possible. There's a lot of things in this life that are impossible. A lot of things that you look in, like out in front of you and you go, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Like me playing in the NBA. Impossible. I mean, I've got orthopedic shoes on at 35. I mean, impossible. It's not going to happen. But Jesus, the greatest miracle of all time, in my opinion, the miracle of salvation, died on a cross. Y'all get to go. You can come with me. That's big. That's a big deal. We see this also in the Lord's Prayer when he starts with, when you pray, pray like this. I think you know this part. Our Father. He says, our Father. Another big moment. He's inviting us to participate in the same familiar relationship that he has with the Father. We're in being invited as an ordinary human being into a deeply personal and unique relationship with not only the God who created it all, but the Father who made a way for you to know him intimately. This is something that I didn't think about until this this preparation, that our God is not only a God who has a name, a lot of them in fact, but he's a God who has a personal history, a long personal history written down that we can break apart and eat at and chew on and be filled from, and it grows inside of us. A God who has a personal history gives me 
immense hope. He's not a floating orb or cosmic dust that has no shape, no form, no story, no color, no characteristics. He's in fact not only all the things that we need, but he's also always exactly who he says he will be. I think it's absolutely common uh, these days. You've heard me do it. You've heard Jimmy do it. It's common for us to speak in our prayers as, as, as Heavenly Father. Um, but I think sometimes um, we hear it so much that it has become this kind of like normalized uh, thing that we take this exchange of talking to the Father in this way for granted. But I want to soak up this reality that to address God as Father is an unspeakable privilege that is given to Christians by and through His Son, Jesus. Just a, a freebie of a, of a nugget of of offer this to your own brain as you pray. When you say Heavenly Father, let it be more than the word that we've used for Father for so long. Let it be more than, hey Dad. Let it be more than, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. Let it be Abba Father, God Almighty, you, the one who's made a way for life after death. You are the one I'm talking to right now. Let us put that in our brain a little bit. This, in and of itself, that exchange offers us hope in the Father. By nature, we are not children of God. And as creatures, we have nothing in common with being divine. I mean, you know that. You go to Marvel movies, and you're like, I'm not even close to Captain America. I'm not even close to Thor. And these are just made-up things that weird humans made. <laughs> like, they're not, like... You have a God that surpasses all of that. We have nothing in common with what it means to be divine. But by the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit, we have been integrated into the life of the Trinity. And it is because of the presence of the Spirit in us that we are able to approach the Father and have a relationship. In the Son, we have become heirs of the Father's kingdom. All of us who have made like a profession of faith in Jesus have now declared firmly that we believe in a personal God who is our Father, and by being our Father, it means that we now have an intimate relationship with Him, and my life now has that same intimate relationship with Him. Too often, like God is the Heavenly Father of our prayers. He's the Heavenly Father of grace before meals. He's the Heavenly Father of, man, things are going bad, and I need you. But oftentimes, like, we don't, like, interject that personal relationship into breakfast. We don't, we don't work that in to sometimes when we start dating a new person. Sometimes we don't work that in to hanging with the bros. Sometimes we don't work that into, I got to say it, pickleball. We're not working in, I just want to say pickleball once in Jimmy's honor. Happy Father's Day, Jimmy. But we don't work it in. We don't work in the fact that not only like has Jesus made a way for it to be possible to talk to somebody divine, to talk to somebody like so big and so powerful and with such great magnitude, but he's made a way for all of our lives to be intertwined into those moments with the Father. That we don't have to be scared so often. We don't have to worry so much because if we weave in who the Father is into our lives and we participate more with all the regular stuff in our lives with the Lord, He's going to speak in ways and make those things not seem so troublesome, not so stressful, not so worry-filled. They're not going to feel so far from God. We're not actually even going to have to feel like, okay, I'm bringing this to you. What should I do? He knows because he's already been there, because he's already brought it. We don't have to 
like put it in a backpack and wait till we get to dad's house. That's crazy. He says, I'm right here. Always. Always. So let's stop packing it away. You have an opportunity right now. You woke up, in the, you woke up this morning. You didn't even know how. I mean, maybe it was your kid being like, wake up. It's time for church. I'm so thankful my son's still in a crib and he can't touch me. <laughs> we are the ones who say when you get up. I know that will change. Not ready for it. But you woke up this morning. You didn't know how, but you did. And you know what the first thing you did this morning? <sighs> Breath in your lungs. Congratulations. You didn't do that either. Skin didn't fall off. Your eyeball is still there. You probably got out of bed and you maybe walked over to the bathroom. Every single second of your day, you had nothing to do with keeping it going. You participated in it. You didn't. You have somebody looking out for you. It is my challenge to you that we soak up more of that reality, that the Father might be more present in our life. We have a weird relationship where too many of us and too many people say, I wish I just had more time with my Father. I wish I just had more stories. Some people never know their fathers, and they wish I just knew him. But we put ourselves in the reverse position where we just don't even go to him. He says, I wish I had more times with my kids. And he shows up. He's like sitting in the driveway all day long saying, just let me in. I'm here. He's texting you. He's knocking. And you're like, whatever. When I need you, then I'll come there. Galatians 4 says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and become, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through God. In a world that at all costs wants to make me a slave, and make me an heir to absolutely nothing. This gives me hope in the Father. So maybe though, on this Father's Day, like let's, let's, let's step away from the idea of only a heavenly Father and let's, let's talk about something that more of us know natively, an earthly Father. Anybody a Father in here? Show of hands. Like, here we go, what up? Is everybody gonna barbecue today? I expect barbecues, so I want to, Father's Day is my favorite for one reason, not because I am a father, but if you walk outside, it smells like charcoal everywhere. <laughs> Who wouldn't like that? That's like my favorite thing. Kind of is scary that it feels like the world also feels like fire and it smells like fire. Maybe the end. Who knows? So but maybe we can step away uh, today and look um, and what that looks like. I understand, too, that not all of us have our father, um, that not all of us are fathers, that all of us um, might have a whole different description and a whole different situation. And, and I want to be, like, cognizant of that, and I want to be, like, soft on that. Like, this isn't meant for just fathers. I'm, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Father's Day message, I suppose. We're talking about fathers. We're talking about heavenly fathers. Uh, frankly, we need to. World's getting real bad sometimes. We need fathers to grow up, be strong, abide well. We need that for sure. Um, but if you've given your life to Jesus, 
If you have said, like, Lord, I want you to, to be Lord of my life, like, I, I, like I, I realize I'm a sinner and, like, I need you. Like, once you've made that exchange, you now have the challenge and the charge on your life to go ye therefore and make disciples. So, in fact, regardless of you are ever a parent of a, a literal human being, you are now, in fact, at some point, you have the ability and you will have the opportunity to be a spiritual parent. And I think in, in, in some ways, a lot of this will apply to that as well. So mothers, fathers, spiritual parents, whatever you are, hopefully uh, this applies to you. See, I am the, the, the child of a, of a blue-collar family. Uh, my father is easy, easily like the hardest-working person I've ever met in my life. And if you know me, like I love to work hard. Like I love it. It's it was literally an idol for a long time for me. Like I loved it so much that I obsessed about it, that I would ruin my life to work because it was so fun. My father outworks me so much, so much, drives me nuts. But he, like the only person that I know that outworks my father, that outtries more than my father, is probably his father which I believe he's 73 right now, if I get that right. And like, for sure, 100% could outwork any man in this room. Also, if, if it came down to hand-to-hand -to -hand combat, he could take all of you. <laughs> like, no problem, I'm 100% I'm certain. And, and like, these two men, their work ethic, their integrity, their unwavering perseverance through like incredibly difficult times and life situations have shaped nearly every fabric of my being. Like, I am in so many ways who they either taught me to be or, or unknowingly made me to be. And as, as good as all of that is, and as much as I'm very thankful that my, my father purposely raised me to respect everyone, to care for everyone, and to never give up, there was something noticeably missing from my relationship with my father. And that was like, I grew up with no charge or challenge at all in my, up, my early upbringing years to follow after Jesus. It wasn't present. We weren't believers. All of the things that my father wanted out of me, all the ways he tried to raise me up to be strong and mighty and courageous, it came from nowhere. It was a dark ether of hope that I'd be better than him. But that hope came from nowhere. My father is a great man, and he still is. I cherish and admire my father immensely, but even though he was only one generation removed from being a pastor's child, his grandpa was a Pentecostal pastor, like God in our household was for many years absent, and when I got older, I felt like really it was just like a strategic tool to keep me out of trouble. Like once my parents came to know the Lord, it was just like, yeah, let's give him that, that'll keep him straight, that'll keep him right, that'll keep him good. It was used, in my opinion, and how it felt as a tool and not a relationship. Eventually, we did find ourselves in church uh, because of a, some parents of the kids that I played football with. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that at some point that, like, in my upbringing, that my parents did come to know Jesus and they began that long road of sanctification. It's all very good and welcomed, but the larger view of my personal story is that for so long, most of my upbringing, I wasn't seeing Jesus in our home. I wasn't seeing anyone pursue an intimate relationship with the Father. I wasn't seeing love or joy or peace or forbearance or kindness or fruitfulness or gentleness or self-control played out in any heavenly sense. They might have slipped in there, but it wasn't intentional and it wasn't from the father. And like, let me be super clear too. Like my parents, my parents are amazing people. I, 
love them so much. I really do. I have nothing bad to say about them whatsoever. But my life had no hope nestled in it. It was a dark, like before Jesus, it was a dark place. I was full of anger and resentment and jealousy. And I did things that make me scared that my son might be like me without Jesus. Because it's scary the things that I thought and I felt. It's scary how much I wanted to die as a seven-year-old. It made no sense. It made no sense. I collected knives as a child because I was scared. That's weird, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But all I saw in my friend's eyes, sometimes in my father's eyes, was fear. I didn't notice it when I was younger. I didn't notice that that twinkling in his eye, the strong man he was, it was fear because we couldn't control it. And that's a Martin trait, control everything at all costs. That's, that's our legacy. But without the Father, it's just, it's just pain. Jesus wasn't present, and my soul felt dark, void of hope, and destined for the short end of the stick my entire life. But this is just part of my story, and I share it with you now to show you the distance that the Lord has brought me. I can't even recall... I can't, like, I spent a decade of my life on stage pretending to be cool. <laughs> I tried so hard to be cool enough that people would buy my records and that they would love me. I pretended a lot of the times to be whoever they needed me to be, to feel however they needed to me to feel. I tried as a songwriter to conjure up every emotion and to feel it deeply so that I could translate all those feelings out to the world so that maybe they would feel them too. And no matter how hard I try, like the Lord has brought me so far from that pain that I can't even pretend to feel it anymore. That if I sit in the dark and just try to be that angry, to try to be that hopeless, to try to feel the pain again so that I can just see what it's like, it's too far gone. The Lord has redeemed that and said no more. I would be lying to you, though, if I didn't say that sometimes I wish my upbringing were different. I, I think I wish that we could have avoided all the pain and all the sin and all the running and all those wasted years that equated to nothingness for us. There's some good memories, but I can't say, well, look what the Lord did. I just... Sometimes wonder, just, just being super transparent, I just wish, like, man, before I was born, maybe my dad could have met Jesus then, or, or, or maybe he just knew, always knew Jesus because of his grandfather, and, and how different my life might have been had my, my, my upbringing been rooted in what the Lord has for us today, or, or, or in that time, like, I just... I just have to be honest, like, sometimes I wish, I wish that were true. But it's not. You do have that opportunity today, though, by the way. Like, that's a freebie, but like, you have the opportunity to be the father and the parent right now. You don't have to wait until they're older and be like, I wish I could have done more for you. You can do it right now. As I, as I share this, I'm reminded of a few scriptures. Proverbs 14, 26 reads, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. So like, this is another big point. Our honor, reverence, and sense of awe towards him moves us from self-confidence only and towards strong confidence in God's love and greatness.
Furthermore, God always provides himself as a refuge for his children, and you have that same opportunity to take for the ones who call you father and look to you for refuge. Proverbs 4 also says, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the rest of your life's life, the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction and do not let it go. We see here Solomon speaking directly to his son and inviting him and challenging him towards a life of seeking and gaining wisdom because he's being reminded of the importance of all the things that he himself has learned. And like, what a great opportunity that we are given as fathers and as parents and as spiritual teachers, to our disciples, and to our friends to share what the Lord has done for us. Like, I don't know, like, like let's, let's talk about, like, how different maybe your life would have been. I know how different my life would have been if, like, what I was seeing played out in front of my eyes was people saying, look what the Lord has done in my life. Like, that through this hardship and through these painful moments that the Lord brought me through it. How much can our testimony, especially to our children, be an impact that changes, that actually changes their life? It actually changes how they see the Father, and it actually changes what they think that they are capable of. Today, we have that opportunity to, to choose to be a father who shares with our sons and daughters what we've struggled with, what the Lord has brought us through, and what we've learned and been taught so that they might have a chance at a straight path. Um, I realize, though, like, that it's not easy. And, and like, a lot of this, this section right here, like, uh, it's deeply rooted in, in, in walking through discipleship. It's a deeply rooted in, in like, that path for me and what I've learned in discipleship, uh, I realize that it's not easy. Um, often, like, I find myself struggling with this, like, misplaced identity that I don't feel like I have enough at all figured out about a Heavenly Father. And it's, like, so frustrating because I find myself, like, often running back to God and, like, asking for my baggage back and asking for my, my struggles and my pain. And I'm saying, like, God, like, I failed. I'm real sorry. Can I have it again? Can I wear it around? And can I just be that person again? Because I did, I, I failed. I'm sorry. Like, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve any of this. And it has been one of the struggles of my life to not continuously run back to the, the Father and say, like, my bad, my bad. I know that, like, you saved me and everything, but maybe I should just wear it. Maybe I should carry it. That would be better, right? You won't be troubled with it. I feel like I failed in my walk with him. But, like, let me speak really loud and clear. If you hear nothing at all, but this, please hear this, like, it does not matter. I'm not going to read this because I wrote it down because I mean it. It does not matter what we have done, are doing, are going to do, whether we are out there changing the world or unable to move a bone in our body. It does not matter that from the little, literal second that you say to Jesus, I am a sinner, I need you, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. From that moment on, the Lord is pleased with you. That's a miracle. That doesn't make any sense. I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. We're not a 10-step program. It was nothing. I said, Lord, I need you. I am a sinner. Help. The Lord looks at you in that moment, and he shouts square in the eye, and he says, this is whom I love. 
It's not if I do this perfectly or if I do this right. Our Father declares in that moment, this is whom I love. You, my child, are whom I love. And we begin to, when we begin to live this out and preach this gospel to ourselves, the pressure starts to come off. We stop trying to be perfect. We stop trying to impress everybody. We can sit and rest in the fact that the creator of the world loves us and he is well pleased. This not only gives us an entirely new posture to be a parent and to be a father, but it proves to us that being what our kids need is absolutely and actually possible. Like, listen and hear this from me, that in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, in our Abba Father, it is possible to be exactly what your kids need. That to be like Christ and abide in Him, you will bear fruit in your your family, and your kids, and this church, and this community will reap the harvest. It's just true. He promises you, abide in me and you will bear fruit. There's no filler words. There's none. Do this, you get this. It's like better than any vending machine possible. Do this, you get this. It's a promise. And you know what you do with promises? You trust them. These are not, this is heavenly father stuff. This isn't, I promise you, I'll be at your baseball game. I might not. I probably won't be. This is God saying, you do this, I got you. You will bear fruit. I'll end with this. A blend of these two worlds come for me together in the words of Psalm 42. Uh, Psalm 42, uh, different than most uh, of the Psalms, is written uh, by the sons of Korah. Out of all the Psalms in the Bible, 11 are attributed. I said I'll end with this. These guys are way early. You got like solid 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> guys, I'm trying. <laughs> I've never uh, had to time myself for a second service. So these beautiful psalms express a spirit of great gratitude, humility uh, to an awesome and mighty God. They express a longing um, for God and deep devotion. If you have no idea who the sons of Korah are, if you know no idea, if you've never heard the word Korah other than Dan's child who's named Korah, it's a fascinating story. A lot of death, but really fascinating. So if you're interested. So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 42. Uh, You might actually uh, recognize the beginning of the psalm. Um, (laughs) You know that song's like, As the deer pants before. You know that one? That one? That one? Okay, so I'm worried for some, some, maybe not in this service, because only only older people who are responsible and respectful show show up to first service, because, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, Don't tell second service. but like, I'm worried a little bit, even like asking if you know that song, because one, like, like it makes me feel old. Like that some, but I say the thing like, some of you might be too young to hear this. Like it's not a fun thing to say. Um, it kind of just pains me to, that I'm growing old enough to say phrases like that. But hilariously, I recount this song um, and this this hymn from memory, from an old dusty navy blue Baptist church uh, hymnal. And if you ask me to tell you about that hymn a couple, a couple weeks ago before I researched it, I would have told you two things. One, that this is direct scripture, absolutely direct scripture taken from the book of Psalms. And two, that this is, was written thousands of years ago. This is, this is beautiful ancient text. With quick Google search, though, uh, I can in fact confirm that it was written by a guy named Martin Nystrom in Seattle in 1984. So, 
I assumed that this was ancient and holy text, and it, in fact, this ancient and holy text only predates me by three years. So um, that hurts a little bit. Uh, but anyway, it does share the same first line, and that's the whole point of the story. Not a, not a great point of story, but Psalm 42, I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with shouts of song of and shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down with me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mazar, deep cause to deep in the roar of your waterfalls and your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day the Lord commands with his steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. And while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And it is so easy for me to sympathize with the way the psalmist wrestled and fought and struggled to maintain hope in God here. And I think this is a normal Christian experience that every day doesn't feel so great. Everything doesn't feel so awesome. And it's really important that we're honest about that. I don't know how many times that we've walked in the church and, and Rick's like, hey guys, how's it going? And you're like, good. And you're not. You're not at all. We sit down with coffee with people and how are you doing? I'm pretty good. And we're not. We need to... To, to just free our brains from the mindset that it's not okay to talk about how we really are. And this isn't a self-help thing. This isn't a, like, you're going to be okay. Everything's great. This is a, we need to talk about life with people who love us. We need to talk about our life and what's happening and how we feel with the people around us. Absolutely. But guess what? We really, 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 uh, although we're really bad at talking to our parents sometimes, we really need to run with, to God with these problems, with these thoughts, with these things and say, I don't know what to do. Our father is waiting there patiently saying, I, I got you. I can help you. And it's okay, and I encourage you to be brutally honest with our Heavenly Father. Because I fear, like, if we're not honest about this reality, like, we might grow sluggish and negligent in our fight for hope. And as this text shows us, like, that's a very dangerous place to be. The psalmist paused from all his painful memories to challenge his own soul. He didn't surrender to the feelings of spiritual depression and discouragement. Instead, he challenged them and he brought them before God. He said to those cast down and disquieted feelings, hope in God. He will come through again because he has before. He's a long way from the surrender that often traps us and all of our Spiritually, our spiritual depression. He did not say that my soul is cast down. That's how it is, and I can't do anything about it. 
There were some valid reasons for discouragement. There's probably always valid reasons for discouragement, but he saw that there were many, many more reasons for hope. In the midst of the strangest culture shift, uh, you're good now. (laughs) In the midst of the strangest culture shift like I've ever seen in my life, all the demonic, evil, cloaked intolerance with a seismic push for each person to have their own truths and their their own self-pre-described, kind of pre-picked identification. It can feel absolutely difficult some days right now to be a father, a parent, or even a believer. But regardless, if we are flying high, if we are buried under discouragement, we have to keep our hope in the Father, the God Almighty. But against all odds, all failure, confusion, changes in the world, and every hardship that we are dealt, that we will continue to make our way back to the feet of Jesus, continue to place our full hope in the Father, the one who's surely worthy of our lives. And again, we can praise him because he is our God and our salvation, our Father, and our true hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that I can say that. What a joy it is for me to find myself in, in a place where I, I have the privilege to even like think about what this relationship is and how much deeper do I, do I hope and pray that we are in our, in our relationship with you, that, that you are a God with a name, a history, and there's an intimacy to our relationship now that I hope that we just like are so ecstatic to participate in. But how even good it feels in our own life when just our, when friends become closer and it feels so cool to be heard and to be seen and to be known. But God, may that relationship be even more and better and, and may we just run towards that feeling, that high almost that we get when we know that you know us, that we have done everything we can to lay our lives before you, to ask you what you might do. God, we wait on what you might do this morning. God, I pray for all of us. God, you are very good. If there's anybody in this room who is like, that's so weird to me. Um, Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel like I can call God Father yet. I don't know what that means. Uh, I just invite you to, to either find me after service, to find Sean, to find Dan Merck, to find Kevin, to find my wife, to find somebody. Um, there's a lot of believers in, in, this, in this church. We want to help you walk th- that out. We want to help just show you who Jesus is and, and, and help you be able to get to that place. But friends, right now you can do that. It's nothing more than, than, than just turning your eyes towards the cross and saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I got no hope and I know it. And I just want to know you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. God, please, please, please be the Lord of my life. God, take away these sins and help me walk in a new place. Friends, if you've never done that, you can do that right now. If that's scary, find one of us. We would love to talk to you about Jesus. Lord, thank you. For you have made a way for us to exist as a family again. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.